passage of scripture to you, and if you're going to use this as a topic, I want you to write down the part that matters to God. That's today's teaching. The part that matters to God. You know, in our congregation, I love stained glass windows. These windows around here are amazing. And at the cathedral in Philadelphia, where, by the way, my wife is so sorry she couldn't be with you this morning. She's, she's actually teaching this morning over at Christ Community and Philadelphia campus on the names of God and how important names are. But at that place, and I remember being part of the entire restoration process because it's a building that was built in 1896. Um, but when we purchased the building in 2003, um, it only had 21 senior citizens living or serving in there. Even more challenging is that there were more raccoons in that building than people. It was a, it was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess, man. I was taking members of the congregation through as we had started a building program, a building campaign, and I'm walking them through and I'm trying to give them vision and there's, you know, raccoon droppings and the, the carpet's all tattered and the stained glass is all messed up and they were thinking to themselves, and I didn't hear about this until the whole project was over, what is Pastor thinking? Oh my gosh, why are we here? I want you to know that God takes the broken things and he makes them brand new. And he did that even in our lives. I know he did that in your life. And he hasn't stopped doing it. But there are parts, I'm going to talk about one part today, but there are parts that God loves. And I remember while we were, while we were redoing the stained glass windows, and there are pictures on these windows, stained glass, and it had gotten so bad financially that in an effort to keep the windows from cracking or the air coming in, they had taken some polyurethane and painted these beautiful stained glass windows. And so when we came in, we had to just, we had to take the windows all the way out and restore them. If I'm facing the congregation on this side is a huge stained glass window. It's got two angels on each side, but the picture there is the story of Jesus in Nicodemus, St. John chapter 3. Nicodemus had come to Jesus by night and he said, I know you're doing these miracles, but nobody could do this unless God was with him. And so Jesus began to talk to him about being born again, coming into the kingdom of God. And that picture of that stained glass window shows that. The stained glass on this side is really important to me because as we were fixing the windows and this artist from Philadelphia uh, College of Art, she gave us a price for this. And so they had taken the windows all out, taken them over to her studio and now it's time to put them back in, in the summer of 2007. It was a four-year project. And they said, Pastor, will you, would you like to help put this, this panel up? And so there I am climbing the scaffold, and, and we put this delicate stained glass window back into, into the place. And um, I preach on these stained glass windows all the time. This particular window is 
It's of Jesus with Mary and Martha. They're the brothers, they're the sisters of Lazarus, who was the brother who ultimately died and Jesus raised him from the dead. And man, I love that picture because the sister Martha was running around doing all kinds of things. And you could see it. She has food in her hand and she has an attitude on her face. And they were able to bring it out in the, in the picture. But then Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything, soaking up, drinking in every statement. And Martha comes to Jesus and is like, Lord, why won't you make her help me? You see the stuff that needs to get done. Trying to get food out on time. Make her help me. Jesus says, Martha, you're worried about a lot of different things. And Mary has chosen the good part. And then he says, and I'm not going to take that away from her. See, there's always a special part with God. There's always something he's trying to get us to see. And I want you to see a story in St. Mark's Gospel. And it has to do with faith. And as Fallon came up and prayed earlier, she mentioned Mark chapter 10 and blind Barnabas and the faith that was needed. And all of you know, based on Hebrews chapter 11, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Later in chapter 11, Jesus is going on an assignment, and he's got the disciples with him, and they walk past this tree. And Jesus wanted to get some figs off of it, but it didn't have anything, just some leaves, and he was disappointed. And he said, no fruit grow on you from here on out. Forevermore, no more fruit grow on you. And then they kept on walking. And so they're on their way back, and I want to pick up the story in Mark chapter 11, verse 20 to 26. And this is what he says. I'm reading out of the King James Version. It says, in the morning they passed by and saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, says unto him, Master, behold, or check it out, the fig tree that you cursed, it's withered away. Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say to you, or truly I say to you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. And that's a good part, but for, day, for today's teaching, that's not the part. What I'm about to read in verse 25 and 26, that's the part. And in relationships, this must be the part that we remember being close to the heart of God. So all of that faith 
that supernatural drying up a tree from the root, causing whatever you say to come to pass, that kind of faith that can move mountains, look at what he says, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught or anything against anyone, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you. Forgiveness is the good part. It's the part that God loves. It's the part that God practices. What does forgiveness mean? It means setting someone free. It means releasing them. And people say all the time, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. Well, you may remember it, but not to the degree where the pain is still there and the anguish is still there and the bitterness is still there. There are things that happened to me as a little boy, and I look back and remember them. Horrible things as a little boy. Being sexually abused on a playground in West Philly. Day after day after day, going to school and being made to, be, made to do some things in the fire escape. But when I look back on it, I'm not looking back on it in bitterness because God has healed my heart and I've released those young men. Pastor, how do I know that I have forgiven? Well, one way is that you're not talking about it all the time from hurt and from bitterness. So I don't know who needs to set somebody free this morning. And whether that's at home, neighborhood, community, business, even from afar, one of those global pictures where you're mad at another race, you're mad at another uh, political party, you're mad at a particular generation, I don't know who it is. Who, who do you need to forgive that's at home? We got to deal with this forgiveness deal. Faith is important. Declaring the word of God is important. Doing even the supernatural is important. But Jesus says, while you're praying about those things, forgive. Who do you need to release? And then what's the motivation to release? For me, and I could tell you some stories that'll, that'll make you weep. I could keep you here for the next few hours talking about things that have happened in my life. But for me, my motivation is that he forgave me. That's my motivation. That's compassion gives because passion, compassion has been received. And when we get to the place where we're willing to withhold, withhold, that brings in a level of pride that says, well, how can you withhold when God gave to you so freely? 
forgiveness. I've, I've gotten to a place in my life where it has to be an ongoing, I, I, you know, years ago I worked in health insurance or corporations and, you know, I knew every part of it, but I had to get what they call continuing education credits. So every year I had to get educated on what the new laws were in insurance. What's the new patterns? What's happening? How do I stay up in this thing? How do I continue to hone and re refine my craft as, a, as a, a marketing rep? And it's no difference being in the kingdom of God. I got to stay in that place where I'm remembering God's mercy. I'm not willing to go to sleep angry or upset with a brother or a sister or a wife. Or, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't do that because I'm dishonoring the one who says forgive, but I'm walking around with an attitude. I'm walking around bitter, and instead of leading people to God, even at home, I'm leading them away from God. As much as I love you all during our break time, if you will, of going around and hugging each other and blessing each other and, and saying, hi, oh, it's so good seeing you, I love you, you know. If forgiveness isn't in the middle of it, then uh, as uh, Al Capone said in the movie Untouchables, you're nothing but a bunch of talking about you. Just a bunch of noise. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, he's just a bunch of sounding symbols, just blang, 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 blang. That's what it sounds like if love's not there and forgiveness isn't there. Even if you can break down and exegete scripture and you stand behind a desk like this and preach God's word, even if you sing like angels, even if you go and even help the poor, even if you martyr yourself to sacrifice for others, if you don't love, then the amplified version, classic amplified version in that passage, it says you are a useless nobody because you're not willing to bring in love and forgiveness. That's why my prayer is that you go home and love those who are home. Forgive those who are at home. Bless those who are at home first. And as we take our time of communion together, forgive those even who are in an environment like this. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. I get that but look at what Jesus has forgiven you of and look at what Jesus has invited you into. A beautiful world of grace and favor. I mentioned his economy earlier. Years of jubilee. He's broken the shackles off of you. He's taken the yoke off your neck. He has blessed you and healed you. I wrote a song years ago, and it says, please let me know, Lord, how you feel. Please make it clear. Can you make it real? Open my eyes to see how you feel about me. I need to know. 
But the verse of the song comes from, I blew it again, I missed it again, I messed up again. And now I want to know how you feel about me. Do you love me? Do you care about me? And the bridge to the song says, I love you. And if you can just believe me, I'll, tell, I'll take your guilt away. He says, I, I, I restore you. If you can just believe me, I'll still use you. And so to have that kind of atmosphere where sin and shame and, and all the wrong that you've done, and God says, just come, 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 let's talk about it. I love you. I'm willing to take everything you've done and put it in the sea that I have designed called forgetfulness. So that when you come to me and remind me of it, I'm like, what are you talking about? I have forgiven you. So to have that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness, and then not forgive, not bless. So my motto is, be quick, be quick to repent. Quick, quick to forgive. Don't wait. Don't wait for the right circumstances. Be quick, quick to forgive. And then quick to love. Pastor, this is so hard. Then get around someone who can remind you of the love of God, the grace of God. You need to have people bigger than you in your life who can coach you towards forgiveness. When I marry couples, I talk to the, to the guys who are most of the time on this side and the girls who are most of the time on this side, and I say to them after I charge the husband and the wife, <clears throat> excuse me, the bride and the groom, I look at these guys and I talk to them about what Matthew says about agreement. And I say to them, you are not here just because of tradition. You are here for a specific purpose, and that is to add your agreement to this. So if she is ever at odds with him and run to you, ladies, don't take her side and say, come on over here, there, there. No, you push her back into the relationship with her husband and bring the words like forgiveness in. Same thing with these guys, and they've got their, their dude, their, their, their guy, they hung out, they've been road dogs for years, and he comes to them and says, yo, man, she's just not getting it. Yo, she's getting on my nerves. Don't, don't secure him and say, yeah, man, come on over here, you don't need that. No, move in and say, have you forgiven her? Have you forgiven her? Forgiveness has to be the DNA of the church and at home. So who do you need to forgive? Why is the distant cousin so distant? Why is the, the black sheep of the family considered black sheep? Who's gonna ring them in? Who's gonna bring them home? My favorite story is the story, what many call the story of the prodigal son. For me, it's not this story starring the guy who said, Dad, you're dead to me. Give me everything. I'm out. That's not the star of the story. The star of the story is God. 
and his great love. Here's this guy who went to his dad and said, of one of the two sons, he says, hey, give me everything that's owed me. I want my inheritance now, which means I see you as dead to me. And the Bible says that the father complied. I'm sure he tried to talk him out of it, but he complied. And here's this kid, and he takes all of his resources, and the Bible says he went out and squandered it all in riotous living. To where all of his money was gone and all of his friends were gone. And here he is now, a Jewish boy, sleeping in a pig farm. And he, the Bible says he came to himself. And he says, I know what I'll do. I'll go home. Here's my story. Here's my story. Here's my story. Uh, Dad, uh, how can I word this? How can I word this? Uh, no, I can't say that to him because that won't be right. That's, oh, this is what I'll say. Dad, I, I, I have dishonored you, and, and I don't, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. So if, if you'll just let me be a slave, just let me back home. So he's walking, and he's, he's getting his story together. You know, guys, you know how you've done it. You, you, you're trying to get your words right, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say that, and if he comes back with this, I'm going to say this, and I'm just going to lay down. I'm going to do like they, they do in court, and I'm just going to throw myself on the mercy of the court. Like I, just, I just beg you, please, the slaves live better than the way I'm living, so let me be a slave. He's got this thing in his head, and he's on his way home. And before he makes it to the house, his dad, who was waiting. See, forgiveness is always waiting. He was waiting at the gate. The Bible says he ran to him and kissed him. He doesn't even let him get the story out. He says, I want you to bring a robe. And then he says, I want you to, I want you to bring, I want you to bring uh, shoes because he's not going to be considered a slave. He says, then I want you to bring, I want you to bring the ring. And the ring is a signet ring, so it has the, the em emblem of the family name on it bring the ring, put it on his finger. So now he can go about and do commerce. This is someone who was wronged and everybody in the community knew what this son had done to this father. He said, put the ring on his finger. And if that weren't enough, he's giving him a ring, he's giving him shoes. He's, you know what he does? He says, hey, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a, a party. We're going to have a party. Because my son was lost. It's now found. That dad could have been messed up because of what his son did. We'll probably get a chance to go over it on Wednesday, but there's a, a passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse... 12 to 14, 12 to 15. He says, follow peace with all men in holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And then he says, be careful lest a, oh, there it is, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. 
And then look what he says. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Don't leave holiness out without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Here's the good part. Here's the good part. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and instead of people being healed, now many would be defiled. So you had a chance to forgive and heal but instead, you thought about it long enough to now a root of bitterness. It sprung up and it troubled you. Unforgiveness always troubles me. Then many people are defiled. What is bitterness? You can write this down. Let me wrap this up. Bitterness is when there has been a hurt that has not been dealt with. Hurt that's not been dealt with leads to bitterness. So what do you do? Deal with the hurt. Sometimes that means having a conversation. And you're having a conversation for the purpose of leading to healing. I'm not having a conversation just so I can tell you off, I can say all the things that you did and give you a piece of my mind. No. I'm trying to get healed. When Pam and I moved over to New Jersey, we're from originally from Philadelphia, two parts of Philadelphia. When we first moved over to New Jersey, the lady outside told us, the lady across the street from our home, told us that when they were building the park, they were coming in and they were planting trees. And the, the neighbor that lives in the house where we live went out and planted this little thin vines of ivy. This ivy, she wanted some ground cover. The challenge with the ivy is that by the time we moved into the house, that ivy had wrapped itself around the trees. And I remember because our kids were little at the time, we said, you know what, let's cut these trees down and, and just put some grass so that they have a lot more room to run. Man, they, they came out and we tried to cut these trees down and the ivy was and it had choked the tree. I didn't even realize that this tree, these particular trees, had beautiful yellow flowers. And it wasn't until I took a chainsaw and skinned these trees and skinned all the ivy, the thick ivy roots around it. And while I was doing it, the Holy Spirit showed me. He says, Terry, this is what bitterness is like. See, God's always talking to us. He's always using pictures. He says, don't ever let your heart get to the place where hurt turns into a root of bitterness. And so we cut this stuff down, and then a year later, all of the, Pam and I would come outside, we found all of these big balls of yellow. We're like, where is this coming from? And we looked up and saw that it was on the tree. And we realized the tree was choked, flourishing, flowers, nourishment. Because whatever's supposed to come off the tree is supposed to be for healing people. So I want to challenge you. Walk in 
forgiveness. Put your hand on your chest. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to say, Lord, who do I need to forgive? And let the Holy Spirit just use your imagination. And don't, don't cancel out the images that come to your mind, the faces that come to mind. And don't, don't miss this opportunity to be forgiven. Because the Lord just doesn't want it to be one way where you're forgiving others, but there are those of you that need to be forgiveness, to be forgiven. For some, this may be a journey. We're going to have the altar opened on, on Wednesday night, and it's going to lay hands on, bring some oil in. Because there's some work that needs to be done. There's some business that needs to be done with God. Those that need to forgive and those that need to be forgiven. But the Father is here. Even for those of you that are in here this morning and you've, you've strayed away from God, please know that he is the main character in the story. He says, I want you to see my love that I'm willing to wash your sin away. I'm willing to throw away the, 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 the offense and restore you with grace and love. You're valuable to me, son. You're valuable to me, daughter. You're valuable to me. I want you to receive my love. There's so many people that I want to use you to bless and to heal but I can't do it while you're still hurt. Because hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. So receive my healing touch. I'm not mad at you, the Lord would say to you today. I just want to bless you. I want to bless you. Put your hand on your chest and say, help me, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I, you know, the, the beauty of the body of Christ is that there are so many gifts. Gifts. There's gifts of faith. There's the um, there are gifts of healing. I'm talking about supernatural gifts of healing. Things that flow of the Spirit, and God uses these gifts in the body of Christ to lead us, to guide us, to get our attention, to restore us, to strengthen us. Remember, the Holy Spirit comes to do three things. He comes to encourage, he comes to edify, and he comes to comfort. But we have a gift in the body this morning, and God has sent a brother, his name is Paul, and he's got a word of knowledge. It's a word of knowledge. There, there are things that have been revealed by the Spirit, and I want you to be open to it just for, just for a moment or two. Keep your heart open. Paul, why don't you come?